Well, good morning, Mission Church. Thank you so much for joining us on Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday today, um, the day where Jesus entered into Jerusalem knowing exactly what was um, laying before him. Um, and he came into Jerusalem um, knowing that in just a matter of days, he was gonna be betrayed. Um, by one of his closest friends, um, and that he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world, um, but to be raised from the dead um, on that following Sunday. I want to encourage you all week long. Um, this is called Passion Week. Um, uh, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of Passion Week. Passion Week um, is the week leading up to Jesus's death and resurrection. And all week long, starting today, um, there's gonna be a short devotional. You can find it on our Facebook. You can find it on my personal Instagram, um, where we just take a few moments and acknowledge what happened on this day during Passion Week, what Jesus did. And um, so I wanna encourage you to um, watch those um, throughout the week. Again, you can find them on Facebook. Um, we uh, and all of us got word from Governor Inslee earlier um, this week that um, the stay home order has been extended all the way to May 4th. Um, that also happens to be my wife's birthday. We hope to have a big celebration on that day. Um, but he, here's what that means for us, obviously. We will not be able to gather together um, in person, um, and uh, we will continue to be doing our online services um, throughout the month of April, and, and we'll see what happens in May. I'm personally praying that by then we'll be able to join together um, together uh, in person. But until that happens, I want to encourage you um, in two ways. Um, the first is this. Um, every single Wednesday in April, we're going to be doing what we're calling a night of prayer. This happens at 8.15 Wednesday nights, 8.15 from 9 o'clock. We're doing a night of prayer virtually over Zoom. Here is a picture. Um, maybe you can't see it super well because the picture is small, but what you see here is 19 different households represented this past Wednesday. It was incredible. We prayed together for about 45 minutes. I want, I would love to see every single one of you join um, in on this, whether it's the whole thing or just part of it. Um, the most encouraging thing is you just get to see each other's faces. So please join us this Wednesday. You should have that information um, if you're receiving our emails um, that we're sending out. If you don't have that information, if you're not getting our email, just email us at the info at the missionrenton.com. Info at the missionrenton.com. We'll put a link on that um, in our Facebook feed here, or you can find that email on our website. Um, and just say you want to join, and we'll make sure you get the link for that. Um, and then, hey, Here's what's coming up is we have Easter service. Easter Sunday is coming next Sunday. Guys, uh, what an incredible opportunity we have. This service is going to be streamed online. I want to encourage every single one of you to invite every single person you know. Invite your friends. Invite your family. 
send them the link. It's going to be streaming online um, on our website, themissionrenton.com, or they can stream it live on our Facebook page. Um, we'll be providing those links. You should already have them. Let's invite as many people as possible. Um, my wife, she actually did this on accident um, a couple weeks ago. She uh, started a watch party on her Facebook, and she said it was pretty incredible um, because she got to uh, encounter a number of people who started watching the sermon, um, people that she hadn't talked to in a really long time. And so I encourage you, if you're streaming it, streaming it on Facebook, to share it, um, to create a watch party. I mean, how incredible would it be to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, hearing the message of hope that we have in Jesus because of the resurrection. So that's Easter Sunday next week. We're going to be jumping into John chapter 9. And as we do, I want to remind you, um, we would love for you to engage in a time of worship with um, your spouse or your family after this message. Um, you can find a link on our webpage of a worship guide, and it will just help you connect this sermon with some things that you can talk about after this sermon to continue in worship, maybe sing some worship songs. Um, but we're going to be in John 9. I want to pray for us um, that God would really speak to our hearts this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for Palm Sunday, the Sunday where you came in so humbly on a donkey riding into Jerusalem Every single person screaming and yelling your name, Jesus, and praising your name, Jesus. And you knew that in just a few days, these people who were shouting, Hosanna, King, um, were going to be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus, you knew that and you still came. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for rising from the dead, conquering death, conquering sin. Lord, today as we talk about um, the subject of experiencing your works in our life and the, your works through our life, would you, um, would you do a work in our life this morning? Um, lay, we just want to lay ourselves before you. We want to hear from you. Um, we want our lives to be different because of the word that is spoken today. And speak through me that it would be your words and not my own. And we pray all these things and everyone said... Amen. So in my um, personal morning devotions, um, I've been reading through the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things that um, I was reminded of in the Gospel of Mark, it's a theme in the Gospel of Mark, and frankly, it's a theme in all four Gospels. It actually might be one of the major themes in all of Scripture, and it's the theme that God not only wants you and I to participate in his gift of salvation, but he actually wants us 
to partner with him in his salvation. That we were created not just to um, participate and receive his gift of salvation, but be a participant in sharing this gift of salvation. And and here's what I mean. If you read Mark's gospel, there were two stories that stuck out to me because they kind of happened back to back is Jesus is doing all of these incredible miracles. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's um, preaching with such power and authority. And his disciples are watching. They're in awe. They're in wonder. Everybody's in awe and wonder. And Jesus then looks at his disciples and he says something amazing. He says, okay, guys, now it's your turn. I'm going to send you out and I want you to go and preach the gospel. Go and proclaim the same gospel I'm proclaiming, the same salvation I'm proclaiming. And I'm going to empower you to heal people, to cast out demons. And so the disciples go and they do the same exact works that Jesus had been doing. And so they literally went from participating in Jesus's salvation to now partnering with him in proclaiming this salvation, partnering with him in doing the same exact great works that Jesus was doing. And then there's the next story where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. If you read it in Mark's gospel, you should go read it. One of the things that you'll notice is that when Jesus is feeding the 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, that it's not Jesus who is distributing the food to the crowds. It's actually the disciples. It's as if Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, 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 listen, you are not just participants in this work of God. You are a partner in this work of God. And in John 14, I, I pointed us to this verse last week. It is an incredible verse And Jesus says this, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, so that's a prerequisite, we need to believe in Jesus. We need to have a saving faith in Jesus. If whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. So Jesus is making us a promise. He's literally making us a promise and he's saying this to you and I. He says, listen, if you believe in me, you will actually do the same great works that I am doing. And if that is not mind-boggling enough, Jesus takes it further than that and he says, actually, you're going to do greater works than these. Greater works than these will you do. And I want you to notice this last line. Because it's the purpose statement. Because you might be asking, why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus tell us and why does he want us? Why does he want us to do the same great works that he did? Why? Here's why. Because Jesus is going to the Father. Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to rise from the dead, conquering death, 
um, um, providing for us a way for eternal life with God in heaven. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. But when Jesus, when he ascends into heaven, one of the things that Jesus says to his disciples is he says, hey, now it's your turn, okay? Now it's your turn to go and share the good news of the gospel and lead other people to salvation. So you're going to do these incredible works because I'm going to the Father. It is now on you and I as Christians to lead people to salvation. It is God who's doing the work, but listen, he's doing the work through us. And so... We've been talking about this the past couple weeks, that God desires to display his great works in you. God desires to use you to literally bring people to salvation. God not only wants you to come to salvation, he wants you to be a vessel to lead other people to salvation. And and let's just be honest real quick and think about this. Is there anything more important, more significant, more greater than you getting to lead someone to salvation? I literally, there's nothing greater than that is there than having the opportunity to lead people to salvation. And this passage is, is reminding us that we're looking at, it's reminding us that God desires to display his great works in us and through us. And I wonder how many of you experience that. How many of you experience God's great works in you and through you? I wonder how many of you are longing right now in the midst of maybe some fear and anxiety or worry or being overwhelmed or being frustrated or feeling defeated. I wonder how many of you right now, what you need more than anything is for God to work in your life or God to work through your life. This passage that we're looking at is about that. It is about how to experience the works of God in your life and through your life. How to experience God working in you and through you. And last week was part one and we talked about where it begins is we need to have a deep surrendered faith in Jesus. But today we're going to look at one other thing that we need that um, will lead to us experience the works of God in our lives. And we see it in the life of this man who is healed of blindness. Now, let let me catch us up. John 9 begins with um, a man who has been born blind. Um, Jesus heals the man who is born blind. And all of these crowds are, you know, flocking to this man that's now, now he can see, he's been blind his whole life, now he can see, and even the religious leaders get word about this. They hear that this man has been healed of his sight, and he is, of his blindness, he can now see, and they are being told that Jesus did this miracle. Now, the religious leaders, they don't like that. They don't like Jesus at all. They want to get rid of Jesus, and so what they do is they call this 
man who's been healed of his blindness to get the full story. And what we find here is almost humorous because these religious leaders are trying to convince this man that Jesus didn't heal him of his blindness. But let's look at this man, this man who experiences the works of God in his life and through his life. So we pick up in verse 18. It says, the Jews, that is, the religious leaders, did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind. How then does he now see? Now, pause here for a moment. If you remember last week, they have already talked to this man who was blind and now can see, and they said, how can you see? And he told them it was Jesus, and they refused to believe, and so what they do is they call the man's parents, and and they're hoping that maybe his parents will deny the fact that he was either born blind or deny the fact that Jesus did it. And in verse 20, his parents, Parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Like, listen, we we know that, that, hey, this was our son. He was born blind. Verse 21, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Look at verse 22. It's in parentheses. And so literally John, our author here, he's breaking from the story and he's kind of whispering in our ear something we should know about this story. And he says, hey, by the way, his parents said these things because they feared They feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. This is an important thing to see. The parents are admitting, yes, this is our son, but they are refusing to give any credit to Jesus. And the reason why is that there had been a rule established by the religious leaders, if anybody confesses Jesus, then they will be thrown out of this synagogue. That was their faith family. So this was a huge deal. To be thrown out of the synagogue, it would be like being thrown out of the church. And not just thrown out of your local church, but being thrown out of every single church there was. And so they don't want to admit that it was Jesus out of fear. Look at verse 24. And here's what we see here. We see a lesson a lesson in how to experience the works of God in our life. Look what it says. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I See, and, and, and here's what I love about this verse right here. And I hope that we can feel the weight of it, the weight of what he just said. He says, hey, listen, 
whether Jesus is a sinner or not, like, listen, I don't know. All I do know is that I was blind, and because of Jesus, I now see. I want you to feel the weight of that line, and, and, and I want to make just two observations, and within these two observations, I really think this is the key to experiencing the work of God in us and through us. Observation number one, notice, Jesus is the hero of his story. Jesus is the hero of his story. He, he takes no credit for this. He says, listen, listen, I was blind, but now I see. You want to experience the works of God in your life and through your life? Stop trying to be the hero of your own story and make Jesus the hero of your story. Let me say that one more time. If you want to experience the work of God in your life, if you want to experience God to work maybe in your anxiety, you want God to work in maybe your fear, you want God to work in, in your feeling overwhelmed, you want God to work in, 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 in your bitterness. You want God to work in your marriage. You want God to work in your children. If you want to experience the work of God in your life, here's where you need to find yourself. Stop trying to be the hero of your own story and make Jesus the hero. Make Jesus the hero of your anxiety. Make Jesus the hero of healing you of your anxiety and worry and stress. Make Jesus the hero of your marriage. You want to experience the work of God in your life? Stop trying to be the hero of your own life and make Jesus the hero of your life. So here's, here's a bit of my story. And what happened when I finally came to the place of making Jesus the hero of my story. So I grew up with Christian parents. I grew up with an extended family that were Christians. I, I grew up going to church um, at pretty much every Sunday. I grew up um, actually going to a Christian school for the majority of my education. And, and so literally I had all of these things in my life, Christian, 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 Christian. But if you came to me, what you would find is that though I had all of these Christian things I had around me, my faith in Jesus was just, it was shallow. I, it was something I believed. I believed in Jesus, but he was not the hero of my life, nor was he the hero of my story, because I wanted to be the hero of my own story. I wanted people to look at me and say, Zach, you're awesome, rather than people looking at me and saying, wow, Jesus is awesome. And so, for the longest time, I wanted to live in such a way <laughs> that I was the hero. And it felt like it worked for a while. 
until I was 18 years old, I found myself in a season of, of crisis. Now, as I look back on that season when I was 18 and the circumstances I was going through, I, I realize it might be an overstatement to say that it was a crisis. But when you're 18 years old, it doesn't take much for you to feel like you're in crisis. And so here I was, this very shallow faith in Jesus. I said I believed in Jesus. I certainly wasn't living for Jesus, but I found myself in a moment of crisis and realizing that I could not be the hero of my own story, or at least it wasn't gonna work. And so, I went to this church. It was the first time I ever went to this church. It was this kind of young adults event. And while I was there, it's as if God was whispering in my heart, when are you gonna surrender to me? When are you going to truly follow me? Or if I can use the language I'm using now, it was as if God was saying, when are you going to stop trying to be the hero of your own story and let Jesus save you? Let Jesus be the hero of your story. And so I did. I just said, okay, Lord, I'm surrendering everything I have to you. Jesus, be the hero of my story. And literally in that moment, my whole entire life changed forevermore. My circumstances didn't seem to change, but my life and the way that I saw those circumstances, the way that I walked in those circumstances changed forevermore. The moment I made Jesus the hero of my story was the moment that I felt this peace that surpassed understanding, the moment I felt this purpose I had for my life, that God had a purpose for me. God wanted to use me. God wanted um, to, 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 to do work in me and through me. So I had this peace. I had this purpose. I had this everyday promise that Jesus was with me and that Jesus is for me. And, and, and that no matter what happens, I have the promise of eternal life. And my life has never been the same since I finally made Jesus the hero of my story. And you know what's amazing? At least it's amazing to me. I was rehearsing the sermon this morning and I got to this part and I, I've, I've told this little story more times than I can count, 50, maybe 100 times. And you know what I realized as I was rehearsing this story this morning is that the only reason I was at that church event where I just had this breakthrough, God had this breakthrough in me, the only reason I was there is because a girl named Deanna invited me. I would not have gone if I had not been invited. And I, uh, listen, <laughs> this girl Deanna, she has absolutely no idea that her invitation literally changed my life forever more. And it made me think about how God might want to use you by you simply inviting someone to church, inviting someone to listen online to Easter service this Sunday. It, it, it sounds so easy because it is, 
but my life changed forevermore, and it began with a girl saying, hey, would you, would you want to come? And so I want to encourage you, invite, invite, invite all week long people who need the hope of the gospel and the promise of eternity, because that is what we're going to preach about on Sunday. But back to this story God does a great work in his life because he makes Jesus the hero of his life. Let me ask you, are you living in a way that is making Jesus the hero of your life? Are you living in a way that is making Jesus the hero of your life? I I hope that you are. The other thing I want you to see in this passage that I think leads us into experiencing the works of God in our life, the other observation I want to make, notice this, that this man's story, um, there is an undeniable power of a personal testimony where Jesus is the hero. And you see that in this passage, his personal testimony of Jesus healing him has so much power, an undeniable power. What's funny and I think just really humorous of this about this passage is that the religious leaders, they actually try to deny his personal testimony. Notice verse 24, it says, so for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. In other words, they're saying, admit it. Jesus could not have healed you. He's got to be a sinner because he breaks the Sabbath. And this man, this is the power of your testimony when Jesus is the hero. It's undeniable. Nobody can talk you out of it because it's so real. And the man simply says, listen, guys, I was blind. And because of Jesus, now I see You have a testimony. You have a story. And for those of you who have a story where Jesus has saved you and given you eternal life, you need to remember that there is power in that story. That your personal testimony has power. And we should not be ashamed of it. We should not be shy about it. We should share it. And so let me ask you this. What is your testimony? What is your testimony of coming to salvation? What is it? Recount it and then go share it. Did you know, this is incredible, did you know that 80% of people who come to salvation, 80% of them come through a personal relationship they have with someone else. 80% of people, they come to faith not because of a Sunday morning message they heard from a preacher, but because they had a friend who was courageous enough to share the gospel with them. You want to see the works of God in your life? Here's, Here's what you need to do. You need to let and make Jesus be the hero of your life. And then go and courageously 
share that story. That's how we see this passage end. Let's, let's conclude our time together by just looking at how amazing this is. It says, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them. He, he's answering the same questions over and over again. He says, he answered them. I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciples. But we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and and does his will, God listens to him. Now listen to his statement. He says, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. I love this man's courage. He says, guys, I'm, I'm, listen, you have to be out of your mind to reject Jesus. Never since the world began has something like this happened. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. He's opened my eyes. You guys have to believe. And listen to, look at verse 34. It says, they answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. They threw him out. I love this man's courage. It costs him. It, it, it absolutely costs him. They throw him out of the synagogue. They throw him out of what was his faith family. They just throw him out. But yet this man, he doesn't care. He knows what Jesus has done in his life. And it's so moving, it's so powerful that he is compelled to courageously share what Jesus has done for him. So let, let's let that sit in for us. I want you to, to think about just a couple of questions here. I want you to think, how did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? How did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? Think about that. Remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you. The next question is this. In what ways has Jesus been the hero of your story? In what ways has Jesus been the hero of your story? Both in the past and in the present. And then here's the next question. How often do you share it? You want to see God work and move in you and through you? Make Jesus the hero of your life. And then courageously go and share what Jesus has done for you. It may be costly, but isn't it so worth it? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Open up our eyes to see what you've done in our life. Open up our eyes 
to see how you've changed us. Lord, help us to every single day make you, Jesus, the hero of our lives. Jesus, we want you to be the hero of our marriages, the hero of our friendships, the hero of our, of our family. We want you to be the hero of every single area of our life. Would you help us do that? And then would you give us the courage to share it? Lord, would you bless this time of worship as we, as we have a time of family worship um, following this service. Pray these things in your name. Amen.